That's Acts of the Apostle, chapter 1, verse number 8. Today I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You may be seated. I want to talk about today witness protection denied. Witness protection denied. Brian, Jesus from the time and tenure of his ministry on earth has been training these disciples to be the future leaders of this transformative kingdom that he had been talking about and John the Baptist had been telling others about. But those of us who were chronicled the Gospels will find this chronology that John the Baptist began his ministry six months prior to Jesus Christ. And his message was to repent and prepare the way for the kingdom of God was near. However, when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus didn't come preaching about preparing that the kingdom of God was near, but rather Jesus came preaching that the kingdom of God was at hand. And Jesus began his messianic ministry, and when he launched his ministry, he launched it with clear vision and a great mission. And he dare communicated this on the front end to anyone who would dare follow him. That he told them that anyone who accepted the clarion call to be commentators of Calvary had to come with an understanding that he was calling them to be fishers of men. Jesus was enthusiastic yet emphatic about his euphoric expectations that he had for the kingdom of God. That this kingdom of God was going to make a difference in the lives of people. And Jesus wanted these disciples, the 11 who now remains, to understand that what he was calling them to do was going to have earthly as well as eternal significance. Jesus tells them as they have been called to be fishers of men that he wanted them to be clear and on point that that was their number one and their primary assignment. Understand, my brothers and sisters, that three plus years have passed. Jesus has been crucified. He has been buried. He has been resurrected from the grave. And at the time of our text, Jesus comes back to these 11 disciples in which Luke gives us the privilege of hearing his farewell instructions. That Jesus come back to these leaders before he goes to glory and sit at the right hand of God. He comes back to them to emphasize that what I gave you in the beginning is the same word I'm giving you now. That my orders are still for you to be fishers of men. He says, I want you to know that I have taught and trained you. I have executed and exemplified what I've shared with you. I have designed it and even demonstrated to you what it takes to be a fisher of men. He says, I want you to understand that even though I'm not going to be physically present with you anymore, that I still want you to adhere to your Alpha assignment. 
Because this assignment is critically important because if I had to surmise my ministry while I was here on earth with you, remember the words that I shared with Zacchaeus, that I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. If the church ever wants to know what she has been called to do, she has been called to seek and to save those who were lost. He says, in this same spirit, brothers, I want you to go and be my witnesses. I know that when the heat was on before, that all of you deserted me as I said you would. According to my beloved disciple John, in the 20th chapter, the 19th verse, it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, that you all went and locked the doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. He says, I understand that when I was crucified and even though I was resurrected, as I told you I was going to be, that you panic and you went on a self-imposed witness protective custody all by yourself. He says, but I want to go on record. I want you to hear me, brothers. I want all 11 of you to look at me in my eyes. I want to size you up because I want you to hear something that I'm getting ready to tell you. That I want you to be my witnesses but I want you to know that your witness protection has been denied. That I want you to understand that I am very aware that you are going to go through persecution. I am very aware that you are going to have to suffer. I am very aware that the Roman government government does not like me. I am well aware that the Pharisees don't want my name to be mentioned. But even with all of that said, I am not going to treat you like George Zimmerman was treated for 44 days, hiding out like you are in protective custody. Because the truth of the matter, brothers, where are you going to hide? What government are going to back you up? Don't you remember it was the Roman government that actually were allies of putting me to death. And she was so arrogant, Massey, that she had her seal placed upon my tomb. So you can't look to the government to provide you protective custody. And there is not going to be any place or system that you are going to be able to hide because I am commissioned you to worldwide missions. I'm not just asking you to go into a storefront in Jerusalem and hide out. That I want you to understand that I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Let me rewind it. Remember in my ministry in Matthew chapter 5, I told you a brand of ministry I wanted you to be. I stress to you that I wanted you to be two things. I wanted you to be the salt of the earth and I wanted you to be the light of the world. And I commanded you that I wanted your salt to add flavor in the earth and I wanted your light to shine so that they 
could see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. That I have not called you to hide your light. I have not called you for your salt to be contained in a shaker. But I have called you to make a difference in the world. So you got to understand that your witness protection has been denied. But I'm still expecting you to be my... Look at verse 8 again as I read it in your hearing. Jesus makes it very clear that not only does he have an expectation of his disciples, but he makes a very clear statement about the expectation of his church. That Jesus expects the church to grow. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus expects the church to grow. Look, he says that I want you to be witnesses in Jerusalem. I want you to be witnesses in all of Judea and Samaria and the othermost parts of the world. This means to me that God does not expect the good news to become sanctuary shared news only. That God does not want the news to stop in the four walls as we come in here and assemble today. Thank God that you made your way here today. Thank God that you came to receive a word from God but that's not God's reason for you getting the word to soak it up like a sponge but God wants the news to be shared news not sealed news God wants the good news to be communicated and not to be contained God wants the good news to be preached and not paralyzed he wants the good news to be talked up and not toned down and that's why you coming here to get a word from God because God got some people back on your job that need to hear his word that God got some neighbors crossing you that need to hear his word that God got some fickle friends and some crazy family members that you need to come to church to give a word to take this word that you receive and release it back in their life woe unto the child of God that does not share the good news don't you understand that all this word that you have that God has given to you is enough to turn your community upside down, to turn your job upside down, to turn your family upside God, God said, I understand that y'all think I'm making this up because the Institute for American Church Grove asked 10,000 people this question, Antoinette. They said, what made you come to Christ and this church? They 2% said I had a special need. 3% said I just walked in off the street. Three percent said what said I like the minister. Two percent said I visited. Five percent said I like Bible study and small groups. Three percent said I like programs in ministry. But seventy nine percent said a friend or a relative invited me to church. Understand, my brothers and sisters, that church growth is always determined by the efforts of individual members. You can't leave it up to the pastor. You can't leave it up to the preacher. You can't leave it up to programs and classes and ministry. I will admit they may help, but at best all they will do is maintain the size of the congregation. But if you want to see your church grow, I dare you to open up your mouth and begin to share the good news about Jesus Christ. Because evangelism is not just something that's relegated 
related to the pastor of the church, but evangelism must become personal for every believer in Jesus Christ. That it is my premise that every Christian has personal responsibility to witness for Jesus Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, personal responsibility. But Minister Ward, I understand this, that George Barner is right. George Barner says that only about half, 53% to be exactly, uh, born again Christians feel a sense of responsibility to tell others about their faith. But I have come here to discover on my way to glory that we must see our personal responsibility because Jesus died personally for you and I. That he shed his blood personally for you and I. And your testimony is not about what God has done for your neighbor, but your testimony is about what God has done for you. And nobody can tell your story like you can tell it. That's why you ought to not let somebody tell your story for you. That's why I didn't understand why some people can come to church after all God has brought you through, after all God has done for you. And you want somebody else to praise God. God for you. Baby, if I had your testimony, wouldn't nobody be able to praise God for me? I, t- I turn and do a victory lap. Uh, some of y'all testimony is so much that you were towed up from the flow up, but God has picked you up and turned you around and placed your feet on solid ground and you have the audacity. You have the amenitated call to walk up in here like the Lord hadn't done anything for you. I know it's early in the service but can you just turn to your neighbor say neighbor you're standing and sitting beside somebody with a testimony don't you get it twisted I know I got some initials in front of my name and behind my name but none of those initials mean anything if it were not for grace mercy and his blood do I have a witness in this house I'm just trying to give somebody a moment to think about your story. I'm just trying to give somebody a moment to think about what it was like when you was in the horrible pit. I'm just trying to give somebody a moment when you was crying at night praying that God will deliver you, that God will touch your body, that God will wipe tears from your eyes, that God will make a way out of no way, that God would open doors for you and didn't he do it? And all I want to tell you is you ought to be willing to stand up and be a witness that there is no secret what God can do what he's done for me he's willing to do the same thing for you, for you, for you, for you for you, and you want to know why I praise God, I don't praise God because I don't have a story I praise God because of my story, because God edited my story when I think about what my life would have been, could have been, and should have been, that's why I come to church and open up my mouth and I am a witness for God Ah, Gerald, I wish they'd let me preach today. Sit down for a moment. Jesus says that I need you to be my witness. He says, he says to these disciples, 
you, you shall be my witness. This word witness in the Greek means martyrs. Where we get the English word martyr. And it, this word witness is used 29 times in the book of Acts itself. Which means that Christ has a clear expectation and a desire for us to be his witness. Now, let me see if I can explain to you what a witness means. It means to affirm that one has seen or heard or experienced something. When you look at Acts of the Apostles, the main role in this book is depicted as witnessing to the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ above all to his resurrection. Let me remind you, my brothers and sisters, that a witness is those who have seen something and begin to tell others about what they have seen or experienced in the court of law. A witness must take an oath to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. The witness is not to dilute the truth. They're not to expand the truth, would he? Or interpret the truth. Their assignment is simply to tell the truth. A witness for Jesus Christ simply tells the truth about what Jesus have personally done in their life and what they have personally experienced even if it means that they have to risk their lives telling the story and there ought to be somebody in this building today that you ought to stop lying to people trying to let them think that you have gotten where you got because of you that it was because of your connection it was because of your scholastic ability it was because of your great study habits it was because of your name it was because of where you was born you want to go ahead and tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you God and the truth of the matter is this if it had not been for God who was on my side I wouldn't be where I am now I wouldn't drive what I drive. I wouldn't live where I live. I wouldn't have what I have. Can, can I get a witness in this house that you can just go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, let me just tell the truth. I know you're looking at me and how I'm rolling and what I'm driving and where I work, but baby, let me just go ahead and cut across the field. It's nothing but the grace and mercy and goodness of God that God picked me up. God turned me around. God gave me this job. God kept my marriage. God saved me. God healed me. God delivered me. Is there anybody in here that that's your testimony? Jesus says, you have a story to tell, but I'm not going to give you witness protection. So the question I wanted to know, God, why? He says, first of all, Pastor T, there is power to witness. Understand, he says, that the church's most vexing problem today is how to define itself by the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the questions I ask myself is where is the gospel of Jesus Christ revealed today? As I share with the 8 o'clock service, I share here with you that we are living in a day of time that it seemed like we can have a crossless Christianity. That we can have a crossless church. 
that nobody wants to preach about the cross. Nobody wants to hear about the cross. Nobody wants to go through any suffering and shame as it relates to the cross. But it was this very cross that Paul says that the Greeks thought was foolishness, but it's the very thing that God used to save us. And I'm here to tell somebody, I don't care how sophisticated we become. I don't care how educated we become. I don't care how many technological advances we can bring into the church, but still give me the cross because I'm here to try to tell somebody that there is no crown without a cross. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there is a cross for me and that's what God, Jesus wanted these disciples to understand that I need you to go out and share the good news about what I did on the cross and how I was resurrected and he said because I need you to do this I am not going to give you witness protection but I am going to give you what you need in order to be my witnesses he says I'm not going to give you pleasure I'm not going to give you prosperity I'm not going to give you position and I'm not going to give you popularity but I am going to give you what you need I am going to give you power let the church say power he said I am going to give you power so witness protection has been denied one translation of verse 8 says you must receive power which means that power is a necessity another translation that watch this the CEV version says but the Holy Spirit will come upon you and give you power then you will tell everyone about me this is very important my brothers and sisters because what this says is that God is not just giving us any power but God is giving us the promise potent power of the Holy Spirit God is not giving us an it but God is giving us a person in the form of the Holy Spirit I know we're in church now and we're in the 21st century but is there anybody that can still give God praise about the Holy Ghost you do not that the Holy Ghost is what makes the difference. That the Holy Ghost makes the impossible possible. That the Holy Ghost makes the incapable capable. The Holy Ghost transforms our disability into ability. Is there anybody in here that says power Lord. That Lord whatever you do. Whatever you have to give me. Give me your power. Do I have anybody in here who knows that the Holy Ghost makes the difference. Let me see if I can help you for a moment. That an individual may be highly talented, massive, may be intensively trained and widely experienced, but if they don't have the Holy Ghost, this person is ineffective. But on the other hand, you can give me somebody from the projects, give me somebody from the sticks that's unattractive, uneducated, and unrefined, but yet they are filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll show you somebody that God can use. I'll show you somebody that's on fire for God. I'll show you somebody that can turn a community upside down because it's not about how much 
you know. It's not about how much you read, but it's about the power of God that rests on the inside of you. I tell somebody, my brothers and sisters, that's why you gotta fast and pray because you don't want to preach without power. You don't want to sing without power. You don't want to pray without power. You got to say, Lord, whatever you do, give me your power. There's certain to your neighbor say, neighbor, the Holy Ghost makes the difference. If you want to know who is the difference maker in my life, I'll tell you who he is. It's the Holy Ghost. If you want to know what keeps me from cussing you out, I'll tell you who he is. It's the Holy Ghost. If you want to know why I keep going from going off on you, it's the Holy Ghost. You want to know why I can see a smile while you're talking behind my back? It's the Holy Ghost. And I'm here to tell somebody that you need the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell somebody that you got you, you to you, you, you make sure that you carve out time and space in your life for the Holy Ghost. That you can't be so rich. You can't be so structured. And that's why I love Pastor Lomax. That yeah, we may have our order of worship, but you want to know who is the difference maker? It's the Holy Ghost. You can't tell them when to show up and when to leave. All we want to know is, is that power from on high. Because if the Holy Ghost shows up, he'll put running in your feet clapping in your hand souls will be saved people will be healed people will be delivered is there anybody in here that said Lord whatever you do send your power Luke, Luke says that this power cannot be found in the earth that this power cannot be purchased from Publix. That this power, my brothers and sisters, I don't care how many seeds you sow into these false prophets on TVN about getting some power in a handkerchief. That this power, Luke says, come from on high. That God, my brothers and sisters, is the very source of this power. That if you want this power from God, you got to be willing to spend some time with God. You got to be willing to sacrifice and stay and do exactly what God says to do. But let me tell somebody in here that God is not giving us the power of the Holy Ghost for performance driven, but God is giving us power for proclamation driven. That God wants to empower us to be a witness on his behalf. Let me see if I can help you here. Ezekiel said that God wants to do this. For every believer, somebody say every believer. God, God says, I'll pour prayer water over you and scrub you clean. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Turn to your neighbor and say, in you. I remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God's will, not self-will. I put my spirit in you. Talk to your neighbor and say, in you. And make it 
impossible for you to do what I tell you and live by my commands. If you want to know, my brothers and sisters, why Jesus was so powerful, if you want to know why Jesus was able to preach the gospel to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recover of sight to the blind, and set those who are down. I'll tell you why. Luke 4, 18 says that he was anointed and full of the Holy Ghost. Baby, if you want to have power, I dare you to get filled with God's spirit because spiritual work cannot be done through carnal strength. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that's right. God knows uh, that spiritual work can be only done uh, through spiritual power. When I was in seminary, that Dean Kinney says that there are some people who are operating in the church. They get up on, on Sunday morning and they're not operating out of the power of God. They're not operating out of the gifts of the spirit. They are talented people and he defines talent as a diminished gift void of the power of God. And I'm here to tell somebody and my brothers and sisters that I have been in that place in my life where I've had to preach without power that I prayed without power but I told the Lord Lord whatever you do don't you take your presence away from me that whatever you do don't you take your power away from me and I don't care who I gotta cut loose in my life I don't care who I gotta stop talking to and hanging around in my life but the one thing that I cannot afford to lose. It's the power of God. Is there anybody in here that you made up in your mind? Come hell or high water that God I need your power. If I'm going to walk right and live right and talk right, I can't do it on my own strength but I need the power of almighty God. Let me move on. He says not only is there power to wit he says, but there are also people to witness to. The book of Acts, my brothers and sisters, has a theme. And the theme of this book, for those of you who are taking notes, is that Jesus is the universal savior. That Jesus wants to save Lottie Dottie and everybody. That Jesus is not guilty of divine discrimination. That Jesus doesn't care where you're born. Doesn't care what color your skin is. That Jesus wants everybody to be saved. Turn to your neighbor and say everybody. It has been said that the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, present Jesus going about directly preaching the gospel and calling people to repent. But the book of Acts presents Jesus continuing his preaching ministry indirectly through witnesses he sends out into the world. We must understand, my brothers and sisters, that God wants you and I to share the good news as a personal witness not as a higher witness that God is not asking you to witness on condition that God I'll witness for you if you give me a new house if you give me a new car give me a new job you ought to understand that it's a privilege to be able to witness about the goodness of God in the land of the living Jesus said my brothers and sisters that when we go out that we are to be his witnesses which means that 
that we are to promote him and talk about him and the things he has done for us. We are not to go out and talk about ourselves and talk about our agenda and our platform and our accomplishments and all the great things that we have been able to accomplish. Let me see if I can help you. I I shared this because there was a brother one time who had the privilege of introducing me to preach. I really didn't want it, but they asked him to come up and introduce me to preach. And this was something that I had never seen before in my life. Deacon Barry, they asked this young brother to come up. And here it is in the midst of the crowd. He takes 20 seconds to introduce me and spend 20 minutes introducing himself. I had never seen this before in my life. Where somebody takes 20 minutes to talk about themselves in order to introduce the person on program. God says that's the opposite of what I want you to do. When you go out, I don't want you to spend 20 seconds talking about me and 20 minutes talking about you. You need to just go ahead and sum it up. Baby, there ain't much to me. All it is, is I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. That I'm a wretch undone, but Jesus saved me and healed me and delivered me. And if you really want to know my story, how much time do you have to hear me talk about the goodness of God that in my life understand my brothers and sisters we got to tell our story there are people out there who need to hear our story that God has uniquely made us but God has also tailored our story to reach certain people and we must understand that God needs our story to be able to reach everybody because it would be different perspectives between the slave owner and the slave the oppressor and the oppressed the wealthy and the poor of different nationality but God knows how to use all of our stories to reach the laws at any cost understand that God is not just talking about your neighbor being a witness but God is talking about you being a witness for him that we cannot relegate this ministry to a handful of people in the church you want to know what ministry should be the largest in the church it should be the evangelism ministry because every member of the church ought to be a part of the evangelism ministry to share the good news about Jesus Christ Jesus says I don't have time but Jesus says that you gotta share the word in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world that your story is unique to you but it has power in Jerusalem it has power in Judea It has power in Samaria. It has power in the uttermost parts of the herd. That means that your story has power right here locally in this church. That you are not the only person to have went through what you went through. And the mere fact that God brought you through it means there's somebody else in this building that needs to hear your story. I know you don't know their name, but God didn't plant you here by coincidence and accident. There's somebody here locally that needs to hear your story but not only is there somebody locally that needs to hear your story but God needs your story to go regionally there's somebody in Broward County and Palm Beach County and throughout the state of Florida that needs
needs to hear your story about what God has done for you. But not only does God want your story to go out regionally, but God wants your story to go out nationally across the United States of America. God has done some wonderful things for somebody in here. And you just don't have a local anointing on your story, but you have a national and a global anointing that there are people in Haiti and Africa and third world countries that need to hear your story about what God has done for you. Last but not least, not only are there people to witness to, but there must be preparation to witness. Look what he says. He says, you will be my witnesses. He's speaking in the future tense language, which means that there's something I want you to do, but there's something you must do first, which means you're not there yet. Just turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't all there yet. I have discovered, my brothers and sisters, whenever the Lord commands us to do something, that we should prepare for anything he commands us to do. We shouldn't just haphazardly do what God is commanding us to do. I have discovered that people who have done great things have always gone through a season of preparation. I've never seen a, someone become a general in the armed forces without first going through basic training. I've never seen anybody in any major profession go to this profession without some form of education or training. Uh, in sports, there's a preseason before there is a regular season. Malcolm Gladwell says in his book, Outliers, that it takes 10,000 hours of preparation before one becomes great at something. Isn't it ironic that these disciples have been in training for three years? Roughly 10,000 hours of eight hours a day training by Jesus Christ. But Jesus tells them to tarry and wait for the power to come from on high. There's nothing wrong, my brothers and sisters, with organized efforts. There's nothing wrong with you being taught on how to witness effectively. There's nothing wrong with you going to seminars. There's nothing wrong with you, my brothers and sisters, going to check out how other people do crusades for Jesus Christ. But there are some things that you must do on your own to get ready to be able to be a credible witness for Jesus Christ. You must first of all have your belief system intact. That means that we must know God for ourselves. We can't go out witnessing the people about what we don't know about. We can't go out telling somebody about the Christ that our mama knew, that big mama knew and granddaddy knew, but we must know God for ourselves. We must have our own personal encounter with the Lord. We must have the joy and love of Jesus for ourselves. That people will not only be convinced by our words but they will be able to feel the presence and power of God flowing through us. But not only must we have our belief system intact but we must also have the right bait when we go out to lead people to Christ. That Jesus says that we are to be fishers of men. 
Paul says that he had become all things to all people that he might, might save some for Jesus Christ. Isn't it ironic, my brothers and sisters, when Jesus was talking to fishermen, he talked about fishing. When Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, that he was talking about water. That when Jesus was talking to shepherds, he would mention sheep. That we must know our audience and tailor our story to be effective to who we're talking to. But last but not least, Pat, we must also know the Bible. That the focus must be on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you don't know anything else, my brothers and sisters, you are to learn the Romans road to salvation. It simply starts out by telling people why they need salvation. You can start out in Romans 3 and 23 that says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can take them to Romans 6 23 for the wages of sin is death. And after you tell them why they need salvation, you need to tell them how God has provided salvation. You can tell them that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can tell them, but God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, that Christ died for us. Turn to your neighbors and neighbor, Christ died for us. But after you tell them that, you can tell them how they can receive salvation. You can tell them if they confess with their mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in their heart that God has raised him from the dead, that they shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And God says, when you go through your season of preparation that you got to understand that, that I'm going to give you the power that you need to be my witnesses come here Peter Peter said I know you're right the Lord told us to stay in Jerusalem and we did just what he said do and when you turn to Acts chapter 2 you will see that on the day of Pentecost that something began to happen in the heavens that there was a loud noise happening in the heavens and the Bible says that they was filled in the room that the power of God descended from on high and that everybody who was in the room was filled with the Holy Ghost when you turn to your neighbors and neighbor the Holy Ghost wants to fill all of us in this room and here it was Peter Tajra who had cussed and cut denied and disobeyed but now stay up after being filled with the power of God turn to your neighbors and neighbor the Holy Ghost makes the difference and here is Peter in the midst of a diverse group of people from different demographics and Peter stands up to share the word of God and Peter stands up and don't promote himself he talked about how this Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to do miracle signs 
signs and wonders. And he came into his own, and his own received him not. And how they put him to death, and how he died on Calvary. I said, didn't he die? That they nailed him to the cross. But in verse 24, it said, but God raised him from the dead. Will you turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, we don't serve a dead Jesus. But he was resurrected just like he said. And the Bible says that Peter kept on preaching. That Peter kept on proclaiming the word. That Peter talked about what Joel the prophet said. He talked about what David prophesied about. And the Bible says that Peter didn't care who was looking at him and who was talking about him. But Peter stood up to be a witness to Jesus Christ. And I want to know this morning, is there anybody here who's willing to stand up to be a witness for Jesus Christ that you don't care who's looking you don't care what they're saying you don't care what they're talking about that you are just like Peter you are not ashamed of the gospel of God and you are here this morning to testify about how good God has been to you when you turn to your neighbor and said neighbor how much time do you have because the Lord has been good to me and I don't care who knows it that I was down and out but the Lord picked me up I was down and out but the Lord picked me up and turned me around and placed my feet on solid ground and I don't care who knows it because the Bible says that the redeemed of the Lord ought to say so and I don't mind opening up my mouth because when I think about the goodness of the Lord and all he's done for me I gotta scream I gotta holler I gotta tell the story that he died but early Sunday morning he got up with all power in his hand not some power but all power not some power but all power oh shut y'all will you turn to your neighbor I said neighbor you're looking at somebody that's been washed in the blood of the lamb and you want to know why I shout you want to know why I dance because what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus and you want to know why I scream it's because I'm covered in his blood I'm washed in his blood I'm redeemed because of his blood and I gotta tell somebody I'm a witness of what God can do high five your neighbor tell neighbor I'm a witness for what God can do I'm a witness that he can take it from the pit, put you in the palace, take it from school, give you a doctor's degree. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Won't he do it? Say yeah!
I'm trying to quit but my soul thinks back of how good God's been to me my soul looks back and I don't have to wonder master it was the Lord that carried me it was the Lord that saved me it was the Lord that delivered me it was the Lord that gave me the job it was the Lord that gave me the house it was the Lord that gave me my kids that you want me to be silent I gotta be a witness can I close by this can I get a witness can I get a witness can I get a witness I said can I get a witness there is no secret what God can do if he did it for me he'll do it for you I said 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 he'll do it for you and 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 you won't he do it I said won't he do it I said won't he do it I said won't he do it Because if you think about him, you will thank him. If you think, you will thank. If you think about, you could have been dead. Should have been dead. But the Lord intervened. I got to tell the story. Y'all, we're out of time. We're out of time. We're out of time. Hallelujah.